Morning, everybody. The, uh, so I, this week, uh, you probably know Rusty is on, who know what number, Kirsten, what was the number you said, what number ski trip is this for Rusty? Thirty, 29th for Rusty, 30th for, for Michelle and Rusty, and 35th for Big John. So that, in every, it's every President's Weekend, right, that they've been doing this? So the, uh, I'll give you a glimpse of the heart of a Rusty, who's usually up here. We're taking a break this weekend since Rusty's not here. If, uh, if you're new, we've been going through the Gospels from a Jewish perspective, and it really is it's a fascinating study. And um, So today is just kind of a, you might say, is like a recap. I just want today to just be an encouraging day, just to encourage you to you know, encourage me, encourage each other. To come to a better understanding of, of God and his heart and you and the creation that he's turned you into. And one thing for sure is if we chase God's information about God, we'll get information about God. But this thing's not about information. It's about a person. That person's Jesus. And that's where, you know, I just want to encourage you that there's a person, there's a relationship that we're pursuing. And I don't know how many of you here growing up, how many of you here ever collected baseball cards or football cards or basketball cards when you were little? Okay, if you didn't, you had a player on the front of the card, right? And this player actually happens to be Bob Warren, who was a friend of mine, a friend of a few people in here. But on the back of any football, baseball, basketball card, you had all their statistics. You'd know where they went to college. You'd know how many games they played in last year. As baseball, you'd know their batting average, right? Touchdowns scored, right? Rebounds, assists, all that. All that information's back here. But if you look at this in a similar way as you look at Scripture, there's a person on the other side. When you open up your Bible, it's not about the backside of the baseball card. It's about the person on the other side. If you pursue information, you'll get it. You'll know that Bob was All-American at, at Vanderbilt, right? You'll know that he played for the Spurs and some of these other teams. But what you won't know is he laughed so easily. He was one of the most intense people, but he had an incredible sense of humor, right? Loved his wife, loved his son. He was a great friend, right? When you open up scripture, get to know the person of what it's about. And I was just talking to Mike Morrison about this. Mike and I, Mike had a, his best friend. He's got his picture on his desk at work. The, uh, but I just, in your mind right now, if you could picture your best friend or your best group of friends that come to mind, if you could just, in your mind, picture them, Right? Are they smiling? Are they smiling? I bet they are. Right? Do you view God this way? When you picture Jesus, when you picture God, is he distant? I would tell you for years how I pictured God was, you'll see this picture up here. And I'm not joking. What, what, I, what I pictured was a coach on the sidelines who was terribly disappointed. He was very disappointed in me. 
Because I wasn't performing, I wasn't doing it right, I'm doing it wrong, right? And you'll see on the next slide, sometimes too, I would just picture God as just disinterested, right? Distant, not interested, not genuinely interested in my life at all. And as you chase the heart of God, I would tell you that this next slide gives you a better picture of how I view him now. Smiling, right? He's smiling, right? He's happy. He gets you. He gets your sense of humor. He likes you. He enjoys you, right? I look at this picture. I'm thinking, hey, what are we going to do today? Are we going to go, right? We're going to go fishing. We're going to go sailing, right? I'd love to go sailing with Jesus. I was the, some of you might not know this. I was on Indiana University sailing team. We were the worst in the Big Ten. The worst. Remember, we're in the Big Ten regatta, and you know we would just these little flying juniors, these little two-man uh, boats that we would we would sail. Get in the boat. The guy I'm sailing with, he gets in. You know you're in trouble when he goes, Matt. There's no engine back here. And I remember we're racing these kids from Michigan and Minnesota and Wisconsin. These kids grow up on lakes. Where it's Indiana. We're like totally landlocked. These kids from Michigan, they were so far ahead of us, and they were just cruising through the water. They actually went, they fell in the water. So this is our chance we're going to beat Michigan. They were in the water. They partially capsized their boat. They righted their boat. They still whipped us, still beat us. We were just the absolute worst. But I loved it. It's usually you enjoy things that you're good at. I was horrible at sailing, and I loved it. The, uh, but that's where, again, when you picture this, it's like, he's for you. He really is. So when, hopefully, if you don't have this picture of God, or this is your view, whatever that might be, just know this is a fact. He is happy with you, right? He is for you. He loves you, and he enjoys you. So... Next slide up here, the, uh, you'll see this is a, as we move through this, I, again, today is just to encourage you as to who God is, his, his heart, just to remind us, and also who you are, what he's made you into. This is a verse, theologically, it's one that, that you know, I, I bring up because to me, a lot of times there's things that kind of roll off of our tongue, you know, that we're just, we're all created in the image of God. This verse right here, you'll see when Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. You and I were create, procreated in the image of Adam. There's a difference. Adam and Eve were created by God. They were what you might say born again backwards, Right? They were fine when God created them, and then they fell. We're born into this world fallen. And then as Jesus talks about John chapter 3, that you must be born again. We're born again into the image of God. You're now in the image of God, right? But you're born into this world. Todd, you'll see you're born into this world. You know, in the image of Adam, right? You're a mini-me to Adam. When you're born into this world, you're not of God. You've been born again into the image of God. And if that's not a decision that you make, I'll just encourage you just to consider it. If you want to talk about it, I'd talk about it with you all day if you'd like. And how do we get there? How did we get born again? 
what you'd see in the next verse the uh, up there is, and this is what we're going to do today. We're just going to go around the horn of this picture, and you'll see the, the first point at the very top. We'll start with the helmet of salvation, work clockwise around. The helmet of salvation, how did we get the helmet of salvation? Right? If you go to that next slide after that, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to make you see that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. It wasn't to keep. It was to break you. There's futility in the law. It never could do anything. Todd, you put up, this was just something that just, I thought it was funny. It's like the law, right? Like, I'm never going to win this thing. It's like, yeah, that's the point. You know, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, you have to be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. And you think, well, I can't do that. That's the point, right? There's futility in that. He was trying to get us to a point where we saw that we needed a Savior. Todd, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. What happened to your old body of sin? It was done away with. You'll see this. You might remember this from a movie. Your old body, it's done away with, right? You had an old Adamic nature. You were in Adam. You're not now, right? That's been done away with, right? You're a new creation, Todd. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The gift is salvation. That's the gift, Right? Your faith isn't the gift. Salvation is the gift. Right? When Scripture talks about he chose you, right? I could say that I chose Kirsten as my wife. I proposed, and she said yes. Right? That's where, again, it's, it, and then with, with, with God, we enter this relationship by faith. He's always knocking at the door. Right? He opened the door and then he comes in. He absolutely chose us. But we said yes in this relationship. So now you've been changed. You're a new creation now. Are you a sinner or are you a saint? That's right, Kathy. You're a saint. A lot of times you'll hear people say, they like to say that they're sinners. Right? I've got 60 verses in Scripture that say you're a saint. 60 verses that say that you're a saint. I'll challenge you after the cross to find one that says that you, as a believer, are a dirty, rotten sinner. And we can talk about that. I'm happy to talk about that. Because your identity is anchored in what God has done through you and in you. Your behavior doesn't dictate who you are. Luke said something when he was up here about being in Christ. You take in Christ out of the New, New Testament, and that book makes no sense at all. You are now in Christ, and that happened the moment that you accepted Christ. So when we talk about the helmet of salvation, does everybody know Lloyd Christmas, the, uh, if you've seen this movie? The reason I chose this one is that the helmet of salvation, you don't take it off. It's not a hat. The helmet of salvation is not a hat. You are safe and secure, right? That helmet of salvation is not one you take off, put on, take off, put on. You have it. It doesn't come off, and that's good news. And all the glory to God for that. 
you are safe and secure in his hands. Praise God. Moving around. The breastplate of righteousness the, uh, to protect the, the warrior from the, what's the evils of the world. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You are the righteousness of God in him. You are in Christ. You have the righteousness of Christ. This came up at study, Kathy, maybe maybe last week or maybe the week before. The uh, Sometimes you'll hear Christians, they, they call it positional truth, and they say it in a way that God looks at you as if you're a new creation. Or he looks at you through a certain lens where he can, I'm going to tell you what, he's looking exactly straight at you. He's looking right at you. He's made you into a new creation. You are the righteousness of God in him, right? He's not going through some lens. He's looking directly at you, and he loves you. And we often, so so many times, selfishly, this is very selfish, we focus on our behavior, which is a prideful focus on self, and we define ourselves by our worst day. That is not scriptural. And as you move through scripture, what I find is that it's, it's our theologies that's wrong. Scripture's not wrong. I was talking to a gentleman this week. This gentleman has been a Christian since 1971. The idea that the tenses of the verbs change once the cross comes along to past tense forgiven, he's so like the lights are flickering for him. He's been a Christian a long time. But the fact that he can own his forgiveness, he's jazzed about that. He's very excited about that. Through the righteousness of God in him, Todd, so this breastplate, right? As I was looking up different breastplates, I found this is funny, and this is just so typical of men. Most breastplates have six-pack abs, <laughs> right? It's like such a guy thing, isn't it? There's no, none of these like dad bod breastplates where it's just like, you know, portly. and the. Uh, but what does a breastplate do? A breastplate protects your heart. There again, like I said about the helmet, your, your heart's protected. There's days where your emotions might tell you differently, but you walk by faith, not by emotions. Right? It's a fact. Your heart is protected. You're fine. Right? And I get, and I will sit with you and sip coffee or sip whatever you you would like and encourage you. I will talk to you. I will sit quietly by you. Right? And there's many people here that would do the same. We all have storms in our lives, and sometimes we need someone to talk to or just listen. But just we need to be reminded that we are safe and secure. Your heart is fine. Todd. Moving on the ho- around the horn there. The shield of faith. The, uh, so the verse that I chose with that, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. You have faith. Your faith is a shield. When you talk about the shield of faith, I, I read this years ago, and I thought it was fascinating that what Roman soldiers used to do, they used to take their shields, they used to wrap them in leather, wrap them in leather, and then they would soak them in water. And the reason that they would do that is just imagine there's a flaming arrow coming your way, and it hits your shield that is soaked in water, it immediately extinguishes. How disheartening is that to the, you know, the, the, the person shooting the arrow on the other side, Right? And the power of sin is constantly shooting arrows at you. Constantly. Right? 
and you can use your shield. Just know that you're good. You're good. And I like this. That just went with it. That just like, ah, right? This is like, I can handle this through Christ. I can handle this. And all the glory to God. Right? So, moving on from there, Todd. The sandals of readiness, right? The, uh, Todd, you bring up, bring up this verse. The sandals kind of to lead the path, to show the way, to help others and encourage others and come alongside others. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech conduct love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of, of those who believe. Right? What we have on our feet, right? The, the imagery, imagery there is that, again, we're just showing the way. Right. And we might do that with a word. We might do it with an action. Right. But that's where, again, we're just showing people the way or reminding people of who they are. And there's a picture that I I thought that, again, I want to encourage those of you who are often overlooked. You know, it's easy to be up here on stage. Right. The uh, but I would tell you that all of us have a ministry. We all have a ministry, big or small. The calling on your life is the calling on your life. Christ working through you, whether it be a, a Billy Graham ministry or or a, just a, a, a ministry to one. There's a calling on your life, right? We do not make comparisons. There's no hierarchy. You know, Rusty has said up here many times, right, that don't believe what he says. You check this to Scripture for yourself. Right, the Holy Spirit came here not so that there would be a rock star or a sage on the stage. The Holy Spirit came back to indwell all of us so that we could leverage the love of God to the entire world and to God be the glory. It's not about a person on a stage, right? It's about all of us <laughs> and whatever that calling might be, big or small, right? So if you're taking your kids through and you've got a picture of Charlton Heston there in your, your dining room, I the uh but that I see that picture and I think is that's that's not the same picture I have in my mind of when I think of Jesus, right? It seems very serious and judgmental. Right, not smiling. The uh but that's where again, just whether you're leading little ones, like I said, older ones, it doesn't matter. Just showing people the way. Todd. The belt of truth, the uh the verse that we've got there. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Again, this is where it, you know a, a verse. I'm sure you've heard Rusty talk about this one before too. Is that you're in need of no teacher, right? I think it's out of First John. You're in need of no teacher. You have the Spirit to bring revelation to you. Right. And that's where you may say, well, I'm not good at memorizing scripture. You don't have to memorize scripture. You don't have to memorize scripture. You may have ways that you are reminded of of scripture and how it works. It's much better to know the heart of God than to have a verse memorized. Right. There might be something that that, you know, Bob Warren is a friend of mine, was a Bible teacher. He paraphrased a verse into saying you don't have to you get to. It's a paraphrase of the verse, we're not under law, we're under grace. But you don't have to, you get to. That's an easier thing to visualize than Romans chapter 6, right? So to, to live that, right? We don't have to, we get to. We don't have to walk by the Spirit, we get to. Right? The sweetest part of our life is that. But that's a choice. The uh, 
But this is where you'll hear in your mind that you can't handle the truth. That's a lie. You can't handle the truth. You absolutely can. When the power of sin says, well, you don't have the intellectual capacity to handle. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. Because this is not academia. This is a relationship. And what I've seen in my life many times, people of high intellectual capacity oftentimes are not very good at relationships. Right? It's just an observation. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying that what we've done in Christianity is we've entrusted the teaching to people that are not good at relationships. Rusty is someone who I think is great at relationships. The Tim and I were talking this week about Keith Tyner, a friend we many of us have in common. I don't know anybody that pours more into friendship than Keith. I was telling him this week how grateful I am for Keith because he doesn't get swayed when people don't respond. He keeps writing letters and texting and calling. I think during prayer time last week, Keith said, if you want, you know, the power of sin says to all of us that I don't have any friends. And Keith says, be a friend. I don't know anybody that carries that out better than he does. He doesn't get phased by people not responding. He just keeps going. As the Spirit says, write this person a letter, call this person, text this person. And I've shared that with my son, and I just want to, just again, just reiterate that from Keith. I just think that is just a great way to live, is just to be friends, just encourage people. The, uh, yesterday, Sherry and Brandon Liam were on a walk, and, and Brandon had texted me this thing that Sherry said to him. Sherry, after he texted that to me, I'm not kidding, I Googled that quote because I thought, is this, did Sherry say this? Because I thought it was so succinct and perfect. What Sherry said to Brandon was this, be the encourager and you'll be encouraged. You be the encourager. And you'll, be, you'll have plenty of encouragement within you. And that is a great word that I feel I was inspired that downloaded into Sherry's mind yesterday and she shared with Brandon. Brandon shared with me. Right? And I think that's how this thing functions. The, uh, the sword of the spirit. Last month, Rusty and Keith and I had a chance to go down to Hardin, Kentucky and lead a college retreat. My daughter Maggie, Maggie's here today. The uh, What I realized during that retreat with all these college kids was this is that we send these kids to college and when we look at the weaponry that you have as a warrior the only offensive weapon you had is have is the word of god everything else is defensive everything else is defensive and that's where i just want to encourage all of you to you know just chase this thing it's it's better than we even imagined <laughs> It really is great news. And with the sword of the Spirit, we can fight back, right? And when I think of right in, in here, I know we've got guys like, like Dave and Cameron and the, where these guys will fight for us. I don't doubt that in a minute. If something happens in here, right? Ron Kai, I mean, look around. I know they're looking around this room. There's guys here that will fight for all of us. Sometimes we need to go on the offensive. The only offensive weapon you have is the Word of God. And that's why I just love more than anything to encourage people to chase Scripture because in that you'll find more and more and more great news about who you are and who God is. There's a battle going on. I do not deny that. I don't, that for sure, there's absolutely a battle going on. But it is not a civil war, right? 
There's a battle going on, right? And it's you and the Holy Spirit versus the power of sin that's trying to work through your flesh, trying to deceive you, and it will use first-person pronouns. The, uh, God, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I love, love teaching people. I love being taught by people and being re- being reminding them of who they are, helping them fight. My son was here uh, last week. He's on a ski trip right now. But he and another boy his age, the um, Taylor Mastai, these boys are two years from fighting for our country, potentially. These are 16-year-old boys. right? When you're in high school, I just told them, I said, you, want, you guys are good buddies. Side by side, encourage each other through this walk through high school. Right? There's a lot of distraction coming at you. Right? But encourage each other. Just side by side. Right? Just keep each other focused on Christ. There's plenty of other garbage that's going to come your way. But when he's slipping or you're slipping, just be there for one another. Right? And that's genuine friendship. Todd. This is the kind of thing. Does anybody know which movie this was? Seth, you remember which movie this was? Emperor's New Groove. The, uh, when you see this, right, this is the kind of propaganda that's been coming against us since we were little. This is the kind of lie we've been hearing since we were little. What you'll notice is that on one shoulder, right, the angel and the devil, but notice how they look. both look like them. Right? And how deceiving is that? Or you'll hear ministers talk about inside you've got a good dog and a bad dog. Or you got a good nature and a bad nature. And you got to feed the good dog. Or you got to feed the good nature. And you have to. This is not accurate. This is a lie. And this is a message that we've heard since we we're little, since we we're watching Tom and Jerry cartoons or Disney movies, right? The, uh, but that's where, again, there's not, it's not a civil war. There's a battle going on, but it's not a civil war. It's you and the Holy Spirit versus the power of sin. But the power of sin will use first person pronouns to try to make you think that these thoughts are your own. So, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. I think if there's any verse that will, if, if there's a verse that maybe I read, I'm like, I need that. I've never sat down and tried to memorize this verse. It just stuck because like a lyric from your favorite song, it's like, I, I love that, Right. Guys, we never sat down and tried to memorize movie lines, but we could sit here and shout out movie lines all day, right? Or your favorite song, you never sat down with the lyrics, right? Not all the albums when we were growing up had, or the CDs had all the lyrics on them, but you just, just from hearing it. But this, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This next picture up here, right? That verse will help you sleep, right? That verse will help you sleep. I get woken up at 3 in the morning a lot. And I think of Romans 8, 1 a lot. But have you ever held your baby or held a baby and just looked at it and you just think, wow, you're so good at that. You're so good at sleeping. Right? They're not worried about April 15th is coming, tax man's coming, right? They're not thinking of their job. They're not. They're wearing a diaper. They don't even have pockets. They have no place to put their their wallet or their cell phone, right? There's no... And they're so happy. They're just sleeping, not a care in the world. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So 
own that verse because it's a fact. It's an absolute fact. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. What I love about this verse is that if I stick my life in a ditch, God can take it from there. Right? I don't think God sticks my life in a ditch, but he can take it from there. In my mind, what I picture is God's creating an opus out of your life. And whenever you make a mistake, he'll take it from there. That's fine. Right? In this picture right here, does anybody know who this gentleman is? It's John Williams. First time you might have heard him was Jaws movie back in the 70s. He did the music for that. All the way through, he did E.T., he did the first three Harry Potter movies. He, he directed the, the Boston Pops. Incredible conductor. So God can work all things together for good. When you're running an orchestra like this, you just know that in this orchestra, somebody's screwing up a note along the way. But he just keeps going. We'll take it from there. We're moving on, moving on, moving on. And I've heard this idea of like sin hangovers or pen, you know, penance and things like that. The Holy Spirit's just moving on. Let's move on. Let's go. Let's go. Right? Remember when the when the prodigal son came back? What did the father do when he saw him on the road? Father ran to him. Right? And the son's coming back with his tail between his legs sheepishly. And the father ran to him. Right? He can work all things together for good. Right? Think of what that son did. He burned up all of his inheritance and acted like a fool, maybe trashed the family's name. And the father ran to him. He loves you. He really does. And he's for you, Todd. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The root of all of the fruit is love. Right? The first one listed is love. The, uh, Todd, if you could go back to the, the um, if it, it starts with love, right, and then it's joy, peace. When you think of love, all of those flow out from that. Right. And I would tell you this, I would bet for me, maybe for you, when you think of your mother, the first thing you think of is love. Those things are an outflow of that. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You know, in, in I think in first John, maybe chapter three is God is love. Right. Of course, all those things are going to happen through you, through your personality. All those things are going to happen, and all to God's glory, right? So that's where, again, just the, just to finish back up with this, that just know or be reminded or be encouraged that he is crazy in love with you. He enjoys you, loves the time with you, right? If there's any work on the relationship with you and God that needs to be done, it's on your end. It's not on his end. Right. And as we slowly move through our lives and mature, what I found personally is as I entrust more and more components and parts of my life to him, the sweeter my life becomes. And not that this thing is a cakewalk, but I'm glad to have friends in here. Right. That I can walk through this thing with. Right. That will encourage me. Right. And what came up here this morning, Mike, you know, encouraged me when I was coming up here this morning. The, uh, I am grateful for that, to have people that will do that. And hopefully there's people around here that will do that. But just know, right, when you read Scripture, 
You're not chasing information, because if you do, that's exactly what you're going to get. When you read Scripture, you're chasing the heart of the Creator, the Creator of this universe, the Creator of you, right? And then to also now know not only what He's done, but the fact that He dwells within you and wants to function through your unique personality to this world. And to Him be the glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. The uh, thank you for this time together, and um, Lord, I just uh, I am grateful for these people. Lord, I, I, I too, I just want to uh, pray for safety for everybody up in Michigan. Thank you for uh, Rusty and Michelle taking these kids and Big John this uh, decades of President's Weekends on this ski trip. And um, Lord, I just pray we come to a further understanding of who you are, what you've done, what you're doing. And um, Lord, that we all just be a, a fragrance of you to this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.